Good evening and welcome back to another episode of the Shula Bowl podcast brought to you by Five Reason Sports. As always, you can find the podcast on Twitter at Shula Bowl Pod. That is the podcast Twitter account. You can also find Five Reason Sports on Twitter at the number Five Reason Sports. And online, you can find the podcast at shulabullpod.podbean.com. It is Sunday, June 28th. Uh, both teams are in the midst of reporting back for workouts. Excuse me, I shouldn't say reporting back. They've already re- reported. So all is uh, pretty much the same on the football front. But in the meantime, we're going to try to bring you a couple, you know, Q&A episodes, just a couple off the beaten path, uh, or excuse me, off the, the yeah, off the beaten path. I kind of got that expression right. Uh, episodes to kind of, help you fill your void sports void, whether it is uh, through COVID or just the fact that we're not having much sports in general. I've got myself on the line, uh, David Hondell, our FIU super fan and Shane Marinelli, FAU super fan slash all things FAU and South Florida recruiting. Uh, if you are not following him, do yourself a favor and follow him at Marinelli Shane on Twitter, uh, doing a hell of a job covering FAU. I, I said the confluence would be few and far between, but I will lay that one uh, here on the podcast as well. Um, this is going to be a Q&A episode. So we asked for questions on Monday and then did another final call this morning on Sunday. Got a couple pods, excuse me, got a couple questions uh, for the pod. So uh, we'll run them down. Uh, where should we start here, guys? Uh, I think this one is pretty fair. It's from our guy, Roderick Zamora on Twitter. You can find him on Twitter at RZMGA24. Uh, question, I'll, I will uh, send it to Shane first. If there is a season, what are your predictions of what the final records will be for each team? All right, a little early for prediction talk. Um, I it it, it is, it is, but but yeah. you know, hey, you but, sent it. Yeah, it, it, it just to see, especially now with everything. I mean, uh, I made the. I, we'll start with this in a bubble. Um, I said with FAU's offense alone, they're an eight nine win team. Right. The defense certainly has some major question marks, especially along the front seven. Uh, but, you know, kind of after Willie Taggart's press conference or, you know, um, last week, you know, someone there was a question about, you know, the linebacker situation and the, and the defense at general. And, you know, Willie Taggart responded with, you know, we're concerned about every position. And I think this goes for FIU as well. Uh, you know, yes, they return a coaching staff, so there's a little more familiarity. But man, I can tell you this season with the players not having spring, no summer training, college football tends to be wacky. G5 football tends to be wackier. And then when you throw this element in here, man, I it's picking lotto numbers might be easier trying to figure out what's going to happen. There's going to be some sloppy play. There's things are going to, I think, across the country, if there is, if season does start on time, things are going to look disjointed. So it's really tough to tell. I'd say, as a fan, you need to take this entire season with a giant grain of salt. Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree with that. Um, (laughs) It's going to be very, very interesting to see um, what, you know, you know, all these question marks that like how they're going to be answered. Um, but just to, I guess, kind of throw out a, a predict, prediction last year, I remember I, I said a 10 win. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go with 12 this year. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, I was looking at FIU schedule 
And, um, you know, we play, besides the UCF game, our four toughest conference games at home. Obviously, um, you know, I don't know, if, you know, whether or not fans are going to be in stadiums this year or, you know, what the conditions of play are going to be like. But that's, you know, that's a good sign. And, and hopefully you can at least try to catch a couple of those those wins. Um, but then again, you know, FIU, we don't know who exactly might be our starting quarterback yet, um, even though we did just get the guy from Maryland. Um, but once those questions get an- question marks get answered, I guess we would have more of an idea. But yeah, it's just kind of like Shane said, uh, picking lotto numbers might be easier at this point. The, the fact that in the Maryland quarterback, Matt, uh, Nair, tell me if I get this name right, uh, Max uh, Bortenschlager. Did I, did I say that correctly? You nailed it. Max Bortenschlager. That's correct. I didn't, I didn't want to say it because I thought Bortenschlager. It, it, it sounds like an awesome bar. Like, yo, guys, let's go to Bortenschlager's tonight. It's, it's three for one. That, that's <laughs> that's a but the, I mean, he, he just transferred here, and the level of crash course he is going to have to get mm-hmm. uh, is you know going to be unreal. And it's, it's even, you know, FAU and FIU are kind of opposite. FAU's fortunate, you know, FIU's fortunate enough to have an experience a staff that's been there, which I think is a little bit more important because, you know, it's the whole team. They know what the players, they know what they're expecting. Uh, and you has the experienced quarterback, but you know, all the FBU fans are, and you know, me, be as well as written about it, excited about like all the power five talent transfers at skill positions, like Michael Irvin jr. And, uh, TJ chase and, um, and um, Aaron Young and Demarcus Adams have transferred here, but you got to think Chris Robinson hasn't thrown a pass to any one of them. So it, yeah, it's talented, but I I don't know what could happen. I mean, I, I think this is again. I think we're going to see some really sloppy football, especially that first four, four weeks of the college football season, and it's going to be one of those things where anything can happen. So the next question, really quick, I want both you guys, I don't want you to answer this now. I want to throw it out there because I think it's something that both you guys might want to think about for a second. So I'm going to ask two other questions and come back to this one. But we got a question. It was from uh, Ryan Moran at Twitter. Excuse me, um, at, uh, on Twitter, he is at Rye Guy Moran. Best Shula Bowl of the decade. I want both you guys to hold that thought for a second. So you guys have a chance to think about it. I'm going to flip to a couple other questions here really quick. And I want to go to a couple of fun ones that I got uh, through DM. Um, uh, let me pull them up here really quick. Of course. Uh, okay. So two, I got, uh, to my personal DM account or to my personal Twitter account, favorite tailgate moment for all of us. So I guess what they were asking essentially is just maybe a favorite, like a, a, a specific tailgate that stands out, um, for any of us. And, and I think it doesn't have to relate it to like our college careers. It could be any time in general. So, uh, David, I'll let Shane start last time. So David, I'll kick it to you first. All right. So I will go, I'm going to go, it's kind of different because prior to college, the tailgates that I would go to obviously were very different. It would be like me and my friends as kids going to the time Miami park football and, you know, eating with our family and stuff like that. Um, I mean, the first ever FIU game, um, it's just a memory that I'll never forget. Uh, (laughs) I remember my dad had rented out an RV and we drove uh, to, to FIU Stadium. We tailgated from the RV. And just that experience of being the first ever game, um, it's just something that, one, I'll never forget. 
And then just college-wise, because obviously there are very, very different types of tailgates, uh, I would say my freshman year at Louisville. Um, my freshman year at Louisville was at FIU. It was one of the either third or fourth week of college football, but one of the first few tailgates as a college freshman. So that was very memorable, or I guess not memorable, uh, depending on the term. Uh, for me, I think it was, I don't know, there were so many great ones in college. I remember FIA, FAU did, I, I can't remember what year it was. It might've been 2014 or 2015. FAU was had a home opener versus middle Tennessee. And they just moved kind of where the rat's mouth is, which is where the <laughs> students tailgate and the attorney set up tents and stuff. And uh, they said, well, why don't you guys do a 24-hour tailgate? It was a new game, noon game before. And, uh, yeah, 24-hour tailgate went about exactly as you would think it would go <laughs> with college students. Uh, <laughs> it, it was, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember I, I, we had our tent set up, all the couches, DJ booth going. Um, I forgot which sorority we were paired with or something, um, you know, at 6 p.m. Friday night and the game was at noon. So it wasn't a full 24 hours, but, and I think I do still have a koozie from it. <laughs> Maybe I'll look for it and the account can tweet it out tonight. I'll have to dig through my old koozies, but yeah, you can imagine. Um, but I did make it to the game and the game went into overtime. Uh, and if you lost to middle Tennessee after yeah. a last second time game time game, I'm trying to remember, I think that. Ooh, can't remember who Middle Tennessee's quarterback was, but yes, uh, it, it, the 24-hour tailgating, it was the last one FU ever did, as you that's, can imagine why. <laughs> that's actually like a, a fantastic, <laughs> I love that concept, like the concept of just tailgating all like all night. Yeah, <laughs> it was, game it was the first home game, and the school and student government was really trying to pump it up. And is they, they FAU's moved its quote unquote rat's mouth with the students tailgate around. And it used to be on kind of the front side of the stadium. If you've ever been to FAU Stadium, kind of where the big scoreboard is and the grass is. And that's where, like, across the street from where a lot of alumni and stuff tailgate. So it's like all the students are just kind of on the front yard and everyone sets up the big white tents and stuff. And they're just trying to get people into it. Everyone set up the night before and it was off to the races. Uh, people were trying to sprint a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, really quick, I want to ask you something, both of you guys. Um, for noon games, because I, I mean, I'm sure, you know, obviously FAU and FIU both have had some noon games in your guys' experience tailgating. Was it not a common thing for the tailgate to just start the night before? Because at UCF, that was pretty much the thing. They would open up Memory Mall the night before and say, if you want to camp out there, you can. Um, because actually my favorite tailgate story is one that is kind of similar. So just really quick before I tell that story, is that not a common thing? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, uh, conference USA has pushed away from, okay. um, FU hasn't played. I can't remember last time FU's played a noon game for obvious attendance reasons, right? Whether you start the night before or something, unless it's a big game. I mean, we could noon games are the worst. We can just agree for college students. You, they, they either start the night before and they don't make it or they sleep in. There's, there is nothing about a college student making a noon game that works, right? Uh, so, yeah, I, I think you can. I think the rule now is for students is they're allowed to set up like six or eight hours before a game. So, it's uh, Yeah, it's, uh, it's never happened at, at FIU. They've never opened it up. 
uh, <laughs> at, least, at least while I've, I've been in college, uh, they, they haven't opened it up the night before. Um, like noon games, I'm usually like, what we'll do is we'll just get there at like 7 a.m. And, and set up and just start tailgating from then. Um, but I've, I've never had the overnight, the closest thing, it wasn't an FIU event. My, so my brother, my brother goes to Penn state. And so Penn state obviously is a huge, huge tailgating <laughs> hot spot. And, uh, we, they were playing, um, Michigan and college game day was their Saturday morning. So we, you know, we went out and then we kind of pretty much basically tailgated all night into college game day. But I guess that would be the closest thing to that experience. But yeah, for FIU, I've never, I've never heard. This is the first time I've actually heard of a twenty-four hour or an overnight tailgate. I think that's actually a, a great idea. So what? Or I guess the, here's the way I'll answer it. Right. So the two I have are one was when College Game Day came to UCF, but I'd already graduated. I actually was working. That was my first year covering FIU, and the same day of the game that college game day had come to UCF FIU was playing in Charlotte. So I actually was flying out of Orlando that morning. So I said, okay, I'm going to get up super early and go to memory mall for tailgate just to experience, you know, game day coming to UCF. So I just went around and David, it was, I mean, Shane too, you can imagine if game day came to FAU or FIU, it was nuts. I mean, it was just, it was slammed out there from four or 5. AM. So I went out there, met up with some people, then caught the flight to Charlotte and covered the game in Charlotte. But the best tailgate ever was by far 2013 South Carolina at UCF. UCF is coming off of, uh, I believe it started the year, started the year three and oh, excuse me, and coming off of the win at Penn State, which we upset Penn State or the, the team upset Penn State. And that just was nuts because it was a 24 hour tailgate. We started the night before. I remember it was a noon kickoff and we started the night before around like, eight or 9 a.m. And you got to remember, this is 2013 UCF. So it's easily the biggest game in school history. This is pre Mackenzie Milton, pre, you know, national championship and all this other stuff. So uh, South Carolina is coming in. They're number five or number four in the nation, something like that. This is the Mike Davis, uh, Connor Shaw, Jadevian Clowney, South Carolina team. And people were throwing house parties. So the house party easily just led into the next morning. And the next morning was kegs and eggs. And everyone, you know, we all just barely stumbled into, uh, at the time, Bright House Network Stadium. But it was nuts. And that game was sold out. And I mean, I remember, um, Shane, when you talked about sprinting a marathon, we had energy for about the first quarter. And after that, we were dead. I mean, it was a noon kickoff. It's sunny. We're all hungover. I mean, we could not bring the energy. And by the time that South Carolina had gotten up in the third quarter, I think they'd gone up uh, something like 21 to 10 or something like that. Most of the stadium kind of filed out. We didn't leave until the fourth quarter. And of course, that's when UCF made their comeback. They didn't win that game. That was the one loss of that Blake Bortles year. Uh, 28-25, I remember that. 28-25, exactly. They stormed back. But uh, I, unfortunately, uh, I didn't finish that one inside the stadium. I finished that one over a water at Buffalo Wild Wings because, yeah, like Shane said, sprinted the marathon there. So that's our answer to that one. I want to throw another phone out here really quick. I think this one is going to be specifically for me and Shane. Um, The question is, do we still consider ourselves fans? Um, So, Shane, I'll let you go first. Yeah. Yeah. I, I balance it pretty good. I kind of have like a niche thing with recruiting. I do what I do. Cause I started with a fan form and it's kind of developing in 
to more. Uh, it definitely, I will say this though, and Eric, it's, uh, it definitely changes your perspective on things, especially, you know, when you, in my, at least in my world, you, you talk to a lot of the, you know, recruits, um, and you get to know them personally a little bit. And, you know, you're obviously talking to other people in the industry and you see you know, in the, with good and bad, you know, you see kind of, um, sometimes of, uh, how the sausage is made a little bit and it definitely changes your fan perspective on a thing. It's not as pure, I guess, but yes, I am still very much a fan. So I'll go ahead and kind of answer this in the best way I can, because I've gotten a couple of questions like, Oh, when UCF plays FIU, who are you going to root for? Well, you know, <laughs> journalistic integrity here. I'm not going to root for anybody because I don't root for anybody in any game that I cover. Um, it's just it would be doing first off it'd be doing a disservice and i'm not going to go on some long rant about journalism but it'd be doing a disservice to journalism if i was up there rooting for anyone over anyone but also the fact of the matter is this i cover fiu and you know out of respect for the guys and people in that building and what they're trying to do um i i, I wouldn't in good conscience go in there and be rooting for team x or team y in this case ucf and then try to walk in the locker room and ask them questions or but not in the locker room but the post game um, but in general, I, I do, I'm a football fan and I can enjoy a football game, <laughs> but, uh, in terms of, uh, uh, games that I cover, I, I have no rooting interest and, um, Eric, I, sure, go let, let me up, ask man. you this though. It, it yeah. just for, let me ask you this though. And I will yeah. say this, especially you guys who are around. And I said, you know, it's around the players and especially you, and I know more when they're younger and they're, you know, coming up, um, though, even though my situation is a little different because I was an FAU fan first and went to the school and alumni and this kind of, it all kind of developed into it. But when you're talking and meeting and you know, you're with these players and you get to know their stories, it's easy to root for them individually, right? Like it changes kind of that, like let's say in Eric's heart of heart. Yes. I bet when UCF plays FIU, obviously he's a, a graduate of UCF, but it doesn't mean he wants to see a player, a corner that he's friends with or not friends with, but maybe is known for a few years on FIU to get beat. You know what I mean? You, you don't want to see that. You know, when you get to know these guys, Oh, Shane, you, you 100%. want them to perform well. hundred percent. I mean, let's use James Morgan as an example. Um, I don't think there's, you know, it's exactly hidden on my part that, you know, James and I come relatively friendly. I mean, I've, spoken to his mom and and James and I have talked of any FIU player we've talked the most just by virtue of him being the quarterback so of course I want wanted when he was the quarterback him to do well but there's a difference between hoping because you get to develop a relationship with someone and and let's use like Stanley Thomas Oliver getting a chance to know Stan and his story and seeing these guys get drafted like you're happy for them but with that being said I'm never rooting for them one way or the other in terms of an outcome or a game or that it infiltrates the way I write things in any way or another. So for example, like, and we're going to move past this question when I finish this, but for example, when I see people on Twitter ask me about the quarterback situation, FIU, and they're like, Oh yeah, come on. Like Wiggins needs to change the receiver. Right. I'm like, first off, I, you know, I'm not going to answer that because if it looks like he needs to change the receiver, then the player will make that decision. But also I don't have an, a specific rooting interest either way in what a player chooses to do. I, I being around them, you hope you do, they do well, but in terms of the outcome of any situation, whether it's a, uh, it's a, 
um, a position battle or a game, no rooting interest at all and no particular fandom of any sense. I, I, I gave that up once I, I took out the 50 grand in student loans. So that's the best way I can sum that up. Um, uh, David, really quick. Do you want to jump in and ask this question we got from our guy on Instagram? Yes, I will do that. But I also want to add. Oh, yeah. Uh, go, ahead. go ahead. My bad. I mean, obviously, out of the three of us, I, I am not a journalist or I don't do anything in that sort. But um, if I was, I, I mean, I applaud you guys. I would be the most biased person to my team. I would be the biggest homer. So that's how I know I'm, I'm not fit to be a journalist. So I applaud you for being uh, so you know, reasonable, but I would be so biased towards FIU. Like, like I always say, when I cover a game, I am rooting for a three-hour game and good press box food. That's about it. Uh, but yeah, David, have at it, and then we'll jump back in with this best shulable, best shulable pot of the deck of the best shulable pot of the decade. Okay, best shulable of the decade. All right. So um, these are going to be yet. Yeah, Can I just give a quick fact before you answer no, this question? Go for it. Yeah, go. For go. It. Only one shulable in the last decade has finished with the game being less than double digits in the score. Yeah. One. <laughs> yeah. I was go out through them. Jeez, man. These are, they're pretty. The only one, right. It's the, uh, the 33, 31, uh, game and everything else is literally a double score game. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's a pretty brutal, but we'll get into that one after, um, Eric, this, this one is kind of more direct towards you. Uh, the first one is from Andrew Shaw. Um, any info on quarterback one and quarterback two, as well as predictions of what might happen to the rest of the QBs on the roster? Okay, I'm going to try to speed through these real quick. Um, predictions as far as QB one and QB two, really hard to do that without having a spring practice. However, this is what I'll I'll say. Look back at 2018. Um, James Morgan did not get a chance to have a spring with the team. He got there in the fall. Butch Davis decided to go with a two-man quarterback rotation until he felt comfortable with one. James Morgan wasn't really named the starter until like the fifth game of the year. However, if you look by the time the Miami game rolled around, he was taking three times the amount of snaps Christian Alexander was taking. I would look for that. Um, And this is something when I write my QB preview, which will be out tomorrow. um, That's pretty much what I'm going to kind of get at. The big thing, and I think Shane test this even though this isn't an fau question shane would attest to this as someone who's kind of plugged in you know to football and 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 how these things work um the fact that there wasn't a spring practice you can't take every quarterback and now you have five on the roster and give them each equal amount of snaps after like a week or two you're gonna have to say okay this guy looks better than this guy and start prepping someone for jacksonville state so with that being said i would lend the benefit of the doubt in this quarterback competition to the people with the most experience uh that would be max bortenschlager and kaylin wiggins i'd agree it it, it, you guys also people we talk about the spring but again people forget that literally from the end of spring which is uh the last couple weeks of april to to fall these guys would normally be out throwing going through seven on sevens quarterbacks kind of you know they're not a lot of practice with coaches quarterbacks you know usually they they pretty much do team practices the team lifts with the way coach and they all go out and dbs will work together and they'll do sevens and the quarterbacks pretty much run the show and that's when they just work on a lot of times being that kind of 
you know, quote unquote field general. This is when no coaches are out there. They're leading the, the practice, these kind of these shirt and shorts practices. And I mean, that's just as big as spring. You know, those are just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of reps they did not get. Uh, okay. So the second one is from Nick Shaw. Uh, what are your feelings about the three big time transfers that FIU just got and your predictions on the immediate impact they will have on the team? Um, I saw this question being sent to me. I was kind of confused. David, I know I'm the beat writer here, but you can jog my memory. Uh, uh, I, I believe the only transfer who will, who will come in and play, um, is going to be the, uh, kid out of Texas Christmas, um, who transferred from university of Texas defensive lineman. Is there anyone else who I'm missing? Or are we talking about guys from last year? I'm only asking you this question because you saw the question. So, yes. Yeah, so, um, I kind of thought the same thing, including the state, uh, um iowa um but yeah I, that's I, I would just include them i guess or whoever's going to play this year sure yeah i mean of course we can talk about you know matt's bordenschlager i mean that's one guy who we know will make an impact immediately he's a grad transfer as well as the kid out of the university of texas um christmas we'll see how he fits into the defensive kind of line rotation but bordenschlager obviously will be put it to you this way i kind of have a theory on grad transfer quarterbacks most of them do not transfer without some kind of reassurance that they're going to have a really that they're going to be in the running to to compete for the quarterback job. You know, you don't leave where you're at in order to to be a third stringer. So expect Bordenschlager to factor into the quarterback rotation somehow. Um, I'll jump into the guys from last year because I think they will have a much bigger impact than anyone else. And maybe um, Nick is talking about Henry Gray, the kid from Nebraska. Uh, he is a graduated high school this past year was actually an enrollee at, at Nebraska. So he isn't in this equation, but if we're talking about Tyson Maeva, um, I'm going to try to get Maeva right. Cause I'm still working on it, but Tyson, he is in line to be the starting middle linebacker at FIU. So definitely expect him. And he was a guy who was a really, really productive linebacker at Boise state. Um, really, really productive linebacker in the mountain West. So expect that Jeremiah Holman, um, Anyone who's heard me talk about JJ on this podcast knows that uh, I believe that the second he touches the field against Jacksonville State, he will be the most dynamic player in Conference USA. Now, whether or not FIU can get him the ball, that remains to be seen. But in terms of sheer uh, talent as an explosive playmaker, JJ, the second he touches the field, will be the most dynamic playmaker. And anyone, because I've gotten some debates about this on other forums, anyone who feels different, I suggest they just YouTube Jeremiah Holm and Georgia highlights. And the guy was making one-handed catches against UF in the Georgia-Florida game for fun. So that should answer that question. He's going to be so, this year. so excited. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to moss FAU. That's what he's going to do. <laughs> yeah it'll be it'll be they'll be he'll help he'll help them hit the over with some garbage a couple garbage time touchdowns at the end <laughs> hey really quick really quick david i said we're gonna do the, the, uh, <laughs> I, I said we were gonna do the the best shootable pod question or dear god best shootable of the decade question but just can i piggyback off of shane's question or shane's statement so i think we got a great question to follow that up and you guys know which one i'm talking about it is from david's best friend Willie Taggart's burner on Twitter. He is at FIU <laughs> underscore is underscore trash. Why has FAU why has FIU been unable to win a Shula Bowl in over a thousand days? David, uh, uh no, no, you know, Shane, you go first. Uh, let's let's go there. Yeah, I had a great answer. <laughs> Man, um 
without being too, I, I, I don't want to be too rash with this. But we can go at the technicality of football. FAU's been really good at running the ball the last three years, and FIU's been really bad at stopping the run. That's it. I mean, it, it's, it's, it, is per, it is really, really simple. Um, I mean, I, I would, FAU's probably run over 1,000 yards in the past three Shula Bowls against FIU. And, I mean, that's, that's the simplicity of it. So, um, until, and Eric and I have had this debate on the pod before, I, I always say stopping the runs about recruiting. You know, you can talk all the filling the gaps and stuff, but, you know, unless you have a guy that can eat a double team or penetrate, it doesn't matter. And FIU hasn't had that guy in the last couple of seasons. So, there's your answer. Yeah, so that's probably a more realistic answer than what I'm about to give. Uh, my answer is that we were playing uh, the long game and we knew that if we let FAU win three years in a row, that Lane would leave and torture FAU fans later. So uh, that's my answer and that's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> <It's> okay. legit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, obviously being the the beat writer, I'm going to take a pass on that question, but I knew you guys would have some fun with that one. Um, but yeah, okay, so best Shula Bowl of the decade. Fellas, have at it. Uh, David, you got it first. Yeah, I mean, just what Shane was saying earlier about um, this past decade, literally every single game but one has a two-score game. Uh, there haven't really been any, you know, really memorable, like the one in 2016, 33-31. Um, it, while it was a great game, it was like, I, I remember the third quarter being just, you know, an explosive offensive quarter, but then the fourth quarter was, there was no scoring and it was just a field goal like to start off the quarter. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far to say it was like a classic game, but I mean, out of the, out of the decade, I would say it's the best one just cause it was the most competitive one. Um, so yeah, for decade for the entire, I mean, if we're going to go the entire history, it's it's the twenty uh, two thousand and eight one. But just decade, I'm going to go twenty sixteen. Plus FIU one. I mean, so. I could I could give you your generic answer. The first Lane Butch game had some build around it. I think we've told the story of how FAU was a Wisconsin loss, uh, a Wisconsin loss away from game day coming to FAU for that first lane butch game you know obviously fau blew lane out but my answer is just gonna i'm gonna just simply say just for the podcast outside of being an fau fan and enjoying the last three seasons uh that the the last there hasn't been a great game in the last 10 decades and it's something this rivalry desperately needs mm-hmm. like there has not been a meaningful there's been so many this is meaningless games in this rivalry i mean Nine out of ten games have been decided by more than ten points. Uh, and many of those were two bad teams, or one team was really on a down year and the other team, you know, wasn't. So, you know, maybe that will come to fruition in the next decade. Yeah, I'm actually right. looking, I'm actually looking at the like the the different shoeables here. And and actually this kind of takes me back to the first question. Uh that well, actually one of my favorite tailgates I'd ever been to was the 2014 Shula Bowl uh, at FIU because it was a Thursday night game. And I remember um, a bunch of, at least the teachers I had gave me that day off. And so we kind of got out there pretty early for that game. So that was a fun tailgate, but, but yeah, I'm with Shane the, what this, what this rivalry is missing 
these really competitive games or these classic games that um, you know we don't really have. And you know, hopefully, the next decade brings a more competitive series to the fans. Yeah, really quick. I just was going to piggyback on that and say I think I am a huge believer in the sense that if you can, as a G five school and G five, you know, in general conference, if you can have that showcase game, that 2017 USF UCF, where both teams are very good going into it, the game is meaningful. Like, um, and and 2017 or excuse me, 2018 is exactly a great example. Um, it was only meaningful for one side, but if you can have the game where it's meaningful for both sides and you put together a hell of a game. I just think it's a great showcase, especially with all the South Florida talent that's on both sides. I think that would be huge. Uh, really quick, I will give a Shula Bowl. It's not of this decade, but my favorite Shula Bowl. Obviously, I'm going to be biased here. Friend of the Shula Bowl pod, Chris Bonner, 6 for 139, 2008 Shula Bowl. Uh, that's a Gaither grad. So got to shout out C-Bone really quick. But uh, as we uh, go to the next, uh, yeah, and Shane, that's actually, go ahead. Go ahead. I toss something in. Actually, so it's funny you bring up the 20, 20 uh the 2008 one, because that's the closest game to what the only good game. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was a game that FIU was one game away from clinching its first ever bowl berth. And uh, we were up two touchdowns with like maybe three, four minutes left in the game. And FAU came back and beat us. Um, so that would be the closest to what you're, what you're talking about. Um, so that would definitely be the best one of our history. But yeah, we definitely need more of those in the future. Next question before we finish it off. We've got a couple more. We'll finish it off really quickly. Um, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, so we won't go too deep. You know, maybe we can kind of think of a, maybe a different way we'd answer this question. But uh, he's a guy who he, he always has followed us and, you know, um, is really interacting with us. So I want to make sure I sneak it in here. It's from my guy at Falcon1282 on Twitter. 305 is blue and gold. How much of a factor do you see Kane's football plus many loving them as a barrier for FIU getting more fans? Yes, winning helps, but what? But legacy helps even more. What does FIU need to do to be accepted and supported more in Miami? And like I said, we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but I don't know, A, if he heard the pod. So we'll, we'll brush on it, you know, a little bit. Now, I'll make it quick. I am someone who has been, as an outsider, has been really kind of bewildered at the, not the lack of support of FIU. I have conceded that that's a unique thing that maybe not being part of the FIU community, I don't fully understand in terms of sports. I don't understand why so many people ride for a school that ain't been good in 20 years. And I, I, I don't want to get into it about the, it's the legacy, blah, blah, blah. I just, yo, I went to UCF um, in 2013 before that year. The cool thing was that the UCF games were the appetizer for the, you know, Florida state Jameis Winston games or UF. And guess what? Eventually, it became cool to rep your school. So I'm just going to end it with rep your school because I think it's kind of whack to rep a school that ain't been good in 20 years. But anyhow, uh, uh, David, you want to you jump in? Yeah. Uh, well, I agree with everything you just said, but also the fact that, I mean, this past season, the win over them is a huge step forward. Um, just, you know, going for I, I think winning does solve a lot of that. Um, but what I've said in the past, for us to – you know, be recognized in South Florida by the media and a lot of those fans is for us to be good while they're bad, right? Like when we had our most, you know, when when people we would sell out the cage and be interested in FIU football was during the the EY day and then Nevin Shapiro days, right? So when they were really really bad and going through all the the, the turmoil 
and we were actually good, we saw more of a turnout. So it's just a combination of us continuing to win and just keep going bowling and hopefully hopefully beating P5 schools or big name programs. And that's just how you build like uh, fans. And that's just, you know, hopefully going forward more, more students that, you know, supporting their school actually helps them going forward. And it's just, you know, it's a good time, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's when you jump on the, the, the bandwagon at the, at the time that, you know, we're, we're really, really good. Um, it, it doesn't feel as good as when you jump on early on. So join us now, please. I want to offer, <laughs> I, I want to offer some, just a little different two things. And I think, and I, this is kind of goes for FAU as well. One, I think the direct area, around schools and i kind of had this twitter debate and we could probably do a full podcast on this and maybe we should on the next episode uh fiu needs to keep one pushing we're miami school full of miamians it's one thing university of miami will never have over you guys they need that the school needs to push that not just the fans the school needs to remind people of miami every single day this is where people from miami go okay you know, not, you know, let's be real. The University of Miami is a girl from New York City whose dad's loaded and sent her down to a beach school. Okay. I mean, that's, that's essentially what the University of Miami is. Uh, and I also think FIU and FAU keep building the areas around the school. And that we had this joke argument, like I said on Twitter, uh, it, you know, I, like FIU pushes the whole South Beach and this thing and that thing. And I, like, I don't think it's a great marketing campaign. UM's been using that. Like, lo, you know, Sweetwater's your hometown. Build that area. Put college bars. Give people a reason to come back and be around the campus. Okay, so we're going to end with one last question. Uh, we got a couple from our guy, probably the inaugural listener slash promoter of the Shulabal podcast. That is David's father, Eddie Hondell, uh, at Eddie underscore FIU on Twitter. He is a great follow if you're not following him already for FIU, just fandom. So I absolutely recommend that. But he's got two questions, one of which I can answer in person when he takes me and David out to Chili's. <laughs> you know, I can answer that in person. Uh, but for brevity to wrap up this podcast, I'm going to answer his second one, which I think actually is going to be more appealing to the greater FIU audience here. And I think it's one that's um, pretty unique. So, he asks, what is the future of at FIU Athletics in Conference USA? And any are there any conference changes in the near future? I'm going to give an answer that I think can directly be tied to on-field performance and one that I think that is pretty important, one that FIU fans will be able to understand. Um, so here's what I'm going to say. First off, any talk of FIU leaving Conference USA is premature. I have not heard anything of it, but with just just my own opinion here, I'm going into uh, kind of conjecture. I think any talk of that is premature, and I'll kind of give you an example here. So when USF chose to leave what I believe at the time was Conference USA for the Big East, this is in 2004, 2005, the move looked like it paid off well, looked like it was a genius move when the football team shot up to number two in the nation. However, what they did was sacrifice the entire rest of the athletic programs. What I mean by that is this. The old Big East at the time was the Syracuse, Georgetown, Villanova's of the world, St. John's in terms of basketball. Obviously not in football. Those, most of those programs I just named only play FCS football. 
but they sacrificed men's and women's basketball to the point where the men's basketball program, which at the time had been a solid mid-major program, they were winning five and six games a year for about 10 years up until Stan Heath took over. The same could be said for pretty much the rest of their athletic programs. And this isn't a slight at the rest of the FIU athletics programs, but you're going to have your outlier like men's soccer that David can attest is really good. Um, the rest of them can't hold water. Uh, you got to give Pete Garcia credit. He made a good hire, what seems to be a good hire in basketball uh, with the basketball head coach, but um, Jeremy K. Ballard, almost his name almost uh, slipped my mind there, but they're still build, building. So if FIU were to go into, an, for example, a P5 conference, they would be sacrificing women's basketball. No disrespect to the um, women's basketball team, but if you look at Tiara Malcolm, I believe her record over the past two years was something like four wins and 50-something losses. The argument could be made that women's basketball would not have won a game over the past two or three years if they played in a P5 conference. So um, any talk of them leaving Conference USA for a bigger conference is A, premature, and B, in the long run, it might be a bad move. Uh, David, I'll let you chip in there and kind of give your uh, fan perspective. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I don't see us leaving Conference USA um, for a while. Um, first, we have to win Conference USA to even consider leaving it. Um, but yeah, I especially going to a P5 conference, uh, I don't see that yet. Um, with fan attendance, uh, you know, things like that. I yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I just I just don't really see it, and and I can see. I actually didn't even think of the point that it might even affect other pro other like sports teams that we're not even thinking of. Um, that's actually a great point that I never even. But actually, do you think if let's just say in the future the next logical step would be the American, right? It, I don't think we would go P five next. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the next logical step would, would be the American. Go ahead, David. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I agree with you. I, I don't see us leaving yet. Um, and I, yeah, I think a lot of things would have to change uh, for us to leave, but yeah, d- just be comfortable in conference USA for now. Uh, I, I think I, and I actually like conference USA a lot. I think there's a lot of fantastic teams in conference USA. And so I'm, I'm, I'm a proud member of the conference USA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know so, uh, if, if if fiu leaves conference usa then i won't be talking about them on the conference usa podcast on sb nation um but no uh, two quick things really quick i i think that you know i agree it, fiu is slotted well in conference usa and the next logical step up would be the american my journalistic um integrity is not going to let me correct this uh so just for the point of factual information here tiara malcolm over her three years at fiu at 24 and 92 so if they were in a bigger league, there's a chance that they would not have won half of those games. So uh, just had to correct that fact. But we're going to go and wrap up this Q&A session. Thank you for everyone who submitted a question. Please um, feel free to submit questions to either of our personal DMs, our personal Twitter accounts, the Shulable Pod Twitter account DM, or whenever we send out a tweet, you know, feel free to leave questions. We will answer pretty much any and everything. We like doing these fun kind of, you know, off the beaten path kind of um, not, you know, sort of football centric pods. So we really enjoy doing those. You can find us on Twitter at Shulable Pod. You can find Five Reason Sports on Twitter at the number Five Reason Sports on Twitter. And of course, you can find the podcast online at shulablepod.podbean.com. 
please feel free to leave a review. That's the only way that we can help grow this. Any feedback is welcome, um, positive, negative, or otherwise. We take it all in stride, and we take pride in being uh, your number one source for Shula Bowl Pod, or Shula Bowl, excuse me, I'm stuck on Shula Bowl Pod today. Shula Bowl <laughs> information. Thank you for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time.